0: This is a Carveline production. During this episode, we discuss CUI its true meaning and the various factors that influence corrosion with our good friend, Michael Pardo of S engineers and constructors. We also touch on the value that mentorships bring to the coatings industry. All of that and more coming up next on the red bucket. Here we are with another edition of the red bucket. Paul, how's it going?
1: It's going well, Jack. I think we're finally hitting a stride with this thing.
0: Yeah, here we are again in Houston, and today we are going to be joined by a special friend. We're not going to bring him up yet, but we have a great tradition that we have with this guy. We sure do. We've we've been friends for a few
1: years, and uh, we see each other always when we come to these conferences or when we travel, especially if we come to Houston for anything.
0: Yeah, and so one of the things we do is anytime that the three of us are together, we go to a sporting event. Yeah. We've been to NBA games, we've been to MLB hockey games. games, hockey games, uh, NFL games. Yep. And it's it's a great way to spend your time when you're when you're in a different city and it, and even better when you're with good friends. And all of us are sports fans. So it's a
1: it's an easy thing to just find some professional level event to go to and, and have a good time.
0: We're lucky enough to be joined by Michael Pardo today of SMB Engineers, one of our good friends. Hey Michael,
2: welcome to the show. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate being here. Thanks for inviting me on today. I'm uh, looking forward to this fun, uh, riveting conversation we're about to have. It will be riveting.
1: Yeah, and I, I can't believe of all these years of us doing a podcast and being friends with Michael that we've never had him on. I uh, guess I guess we finally hit that level of acceptance that now...
2: He meets he, the bar? No. Or <laughs> we meet his bar. Or, or, of, or maybe I'm just around too much and you think I've been on the show. Yeah, maybe... <laughs> so
0: let's start there. Michael, tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, what what you've done in the industry.
2: Yeah, so I uh, actually st- started out uh, back in Birmingham, Alabama, actually uh, working for a special inspections company. Uh, they did geotech engineering and stuff like that and uh, we did a lot of welding and uh, welding inspections and things and concrete inspections and started out there and then, then moved on to Bechtel Corporation for, uh, for a few years. Uh, worked there for two of the greatest minds in the industry, uh, Ben Foltz and uh, Patrick Nall. And uh, you know, that's where I really got my start uh, in the coding side of things. And uh, I had two wonderful mentors and uh, teachers in that that regard. And then, uh, Steve Young was my, uh, insulation installation and fireproofing, uh, mentor and three great mentors that, uh, I was very fortunate to have. And not a lot of people in the industry get that opportunity to not, you know, a lot of people maybe have one mentor or, um, you know, they, they have somebody outside their company that they can call. Right. But I was so fortunate that I had three, right. I had just, like I said, Ben Foltz, Patrick Nall and Steve Young. And, uh, they really helped propel my career uh, where I am today, and they got me involved with uh, SSPC at the time, uh, a little bit with NACE. Then they joined, so now I'm more I'm heavily involved with AMP. Uh, ben and Pat got had me involved with uh, with the Houston Coding Society, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I'm the secretary of the Houston Coding Society this year and okay. the trade show chairman. I do have to do a little bit of a shameless plug here because. You- Mentorship is
0: so important, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. And it's something that I do agree with you. You're extremely lucky to have three different mentors and, uh, and in-house. But if you find yourself in the codings industry and you don't have a mentor, and you're especially if you're a young engineer or a young uh, spec writer, or even even a young contractor, if you want to learn more about the industry, we, we have a program. It's called Carbonext. And what, the, what we're going to do is not only is it an education platform, but we'll... Pair you up with one of our subject matter experts who right. can be a mentor for you. So that is a great program that we have at Carboline. You can find that at carboline dot com. enough for the shameless plug.
2: <laughs> right. oh, that's awesome. That's great for the industry, Jack. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know you guys were doing that. And that's uh, that is a fantastic idea because we're losing so many people in the industry right now. And there's we're not bridging the gap. That it's huge right now in, in our industry. We have. We don't have a lot of people coming up right now that are interested in doing coatings installation and fireproofing, and uh, a lot of the guys that are doing it right now, they're they're ready to retire, and there's nobody to help. And uh, I know when I sit in some of these uh, process industry practice meetings and some of these uh, amp and some of these meetings I'm the youngest in the room and the age gap between me and the next youngest is it could be anywhere from 15 20 years so right. we have to figure out a way to help bridge that gap and entice engineers into our industry and show them that it's a very lucrative career like mm-hmm. it's not just something that it's a stepping stone at all it's it's a career and i'm making a career out of it and uh, this has been. I, I love what I do. So I, I, you know, this has been a very, very exciting career path and a very uh, educational career path uh, with all the certifications and everything that I, I can go get and things I can learn to not just help myself but also help my company that I work for. Sure. So, You know, it looks good to owners too. They l- they like to see that type of thing. So. Yeah.
1: And you know, I you don't want to say it's easy, but it is as as streamlined and focused or as varied and different as you want it to be.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, you can get into a path and lock yourself into a track and just stay focused on that or just keep branching off. There are so many options.
0: And, and that's a good point that you bring up, too, is that, you know, as an engineer, I kind of I want to ask you, why would you stay? Because so many engineers go to school. They don't go to school for paint. Right. But they get paint first. They join the engineering firm. Here's You're going to be the paint guy but they run back to mechanical as fast as they can, or they run back to whatever their specialty is, as
2: fast as they can. Why'd you stay Mike? So I say, because uh, I saw a need, I saw a, um, a need for younger engineers to fulfill these, these roles. And, Right place, right time, to a degree, too. Like I said, I came into, when I was working for Bechtel, I came into a great opportunity and had some great mentors that, you know, even though they were very tough on on you, very tough on me. And it made me go out there to learn and to kind of show them that I wanted to learn this stuff. Kind of with my career where I'm at, I I left Bechtel, uh, resigned out of there, and uh, took a job with Aspen Aerogel. I wanted to go get some experience with a manufacturer. Sure. See what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. We deal with you. Yeah. (laughs) You got to deal with somebody like me. I know. I have got a whole new sense of respect and and a whole new sense of... uh, I don't turn down phone calls. I'm not that type of guy. I want to learn. I want to know innovative new things that are happening. And so when I took that role, it taught me that I realized there's a lot of people that just ignore you. They ignore your phone calls, they ignore responding back to you. Mm -hmm. But it was a very um, humbling experience because, you know, people I knew from the industry uh, that once I got to Aspen, I'd call them and not get an email back or maybe a phone <laughs> call back. And eventually I'd, I'd get in contact with them, but it was humbling. Cause it was like, Oh, he works for manufacturing. I don't have to get back to yeah. him. But yeah, when I was working yeah. for Bechtel, it was, Oh, they get back to me pretty quick. Cause yeah. <laughs> you know, Oh, he works for an EPC. He needs to, we, we need to help him out. But there was an opportunity that came up when I was with Aspen. I I, I had no plans on leaving Aspen. Uh, they were a great company. They treated me very well. Um, but there was an opportunity. SMB approached me, and uh, uh, that was just an opportunity to get back into the EPC ball game. And because uh, I saw that's kind of where my 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 heart is. I, I enjoy the projects. I enjoy sure. uh, developing systems. Uh, working on things that most people don't get to work on in their career. Yeah. Uh, you know, working on things from hydrogen to LNG to, you know, petrochemical plants and things along that line. Like not not many people can say, hey, I, I built that or not built it, but hey, I was a part of building that. You know, sure. I wrote the spec that uh, went into that project. And. You see, you see so much where uh, some companies they're they're failing in that side and they're having issues out there in the in the industry uh, because they're they're just they're picking things from just Google search and they're not using their their subject matter experts to the way they should be using them. Sure. So, well,
0: I think you brought up SMB engineers and constructors. That's who you work for now. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about what what you guys do there.
2: Yeah, so we are we're a mid-scale engineering, uh, procurement, construction company, and uh, we're we're on the move. They they definitely have made some strategic hires, and uh, uh, it's a great company, uh, and they are propelling upwards. Yeah, so we know that over time you've kind of developed yourself
1: into a little bit of a of projects and types of products that are of interest. You know, a lot of insulative type products, whether it be through your manufacturing stint that you did or you know when you were with Bechtel a lot of the stuff you worked with insulation fireproofing coatings and corrosion under insulation kind of things yeah why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got there what you see there I guess we start with you know the term that a lot of people
2: throw around is CUI oh yeah so corrosion under insulation man it's a a hot topic it's uh you know it's also very contentious in the industry Mm -hmm. um you know everybody has their opinion they have their opinions on what temperature you should be worried about in in CUI range you know just thinking off the top of my head I know uh, amp talks about at or below like 175 degrees Fahrenheit Intertech mentions minus 10 Fahrenheit to 250 Fahrenheit I've seen other places that are you know 25 degrees Fahrenheit to 350 Fahrenheit me personally, I, I, I tend to look at that minus 10 to 350 because uh, you can see, especially in like cyclic areas, you can see these, um, y- you can see issues in those areas. So uh, you have to encompass a broader range. So but everybody that that's what I'm saying It's this it's such a contentious issue that nobody can say this is the temperature range you have to be in.
0: Well, I think you hit it on the head, the cyclic. Yeah. Like when, when, when something's oper- operating at 400 degrees, it's kind of hard to have that corrosion cell happening because most of the, the moisture that would create yeah. that corrosion cell is going to evaporate off. if yeah, it moves away. It moves away. But if that thing that's operating at 400 degrees drops down to ambient temperatures or something like that, now yeah. you, you have a situation where you have introduced
2: away. electrolytes, yeah. you have introduced moisture, you've introduced water into your system at that point, because that during that cyclic cool down, that that's just kind of, that's what happens. So
0: to give you guys a clue of just how debated this subject matter is, there is an ISO standard. There is now a standard test method through NACE. I sat on a conference call this morning for yet another test method. I know of at least, two manufacturers that have different test methods so just off the top of my head i'm coming up with five different test methods yeah they're viable that all predict something Mm -hmm. related to cui but nobody can agree on
1: one not only can they not agree on one test method there's not always agreement on what you do to prevent it what you do to predict it, that, that's just to test it. And, you know, one of the things that always comes back, even the, all the way down to the term, CUI. Right, that gets debated. When somebody says CUI, do they mean, now we know under insulation, that's yeah, the UI. Right, never debated. But are we talking about corrosion, what is actually happening to the substrate, or are we talking about the coatings? which are trying to prevent that corrosion from happening to the substrate. Now, fundamentally, the breakdown of a coating is also corrosion. Yeah. But most people don't think of it that way. But it is it is a corrosion process. So theoretically, maybe corrosion is the right word. But most of the time, these test methods that we do are to talk about what coatings can we use under insulation. And yeah. then the mechanism is corrosion that they're trying to prevent or evaluate. So even from as simple as what do we call it? There's debate.
2: Yeah. I feel like over the last few years, we've had so many presentations at through amp through bring on the heat through, you know, some of the conferences. I I think we're slowly gravitating towards everybody's is, is realizing that it's, it's corrosion. It's, I I think we're getting to that point now, but you're right. I, I, I still sometimes hear are you talking about coatings or corrosion and I'm like it's corrosion under insulation. Yeah. We deal with coatings cuz we put <laughs> the coatings under the insulation for right. corrosion, but I think it's beginning becoming widely accepted that it's corrosion under insulation, so. So, okay, now let's go one step deeper.
1: Insulation, although we all agree that that's what the eye is for, there's a lot of different things that are used or that have an insulative effect. On a coating system that causes corrosion. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your perspective? Because there's a lot of different things that are in this field, and I, I know you've dealt with most of them.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, from an insulation standpoint, people have to, you know, a lot of people have to understand that not all insulations are created equal, they are insulations that are made for different processes, different environments. Mm-hmm. Each installation has its own unique use. Okay. And not all of them are going to work for CUI. A lot of your manufacturers think that their installation works (laughs) fine with CUI. But, you know, in my design, looking at things, um, some of the ones that I tend to I tend to design around or with the air gels, the expanded perlites and the foam glass, uh, because they don't they don't absorb water. That's the main thing. You don't want absorption. You don't want it to sit you don't want water sitting on your on your pipe. You want right. it to wick away. You want it to out be able to outgas out or be, or just shut off. And so with these insulations, you gotta think of it like a like a sponge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're washing dishes and you got that little green and yellow yeah. sponge. Yeah. Yep. Would you put that sponge soaking wet on a piece of pipe out outside. I mean, if I wanted to see corrosion, I would. Right. Yeah. So you have a lot of insulations that that's what they do. They just soak up water and you have a lot of EPC or you have a lot. I shouldn't say EPCs. You have a lot of design companies out there that they're looking at the cheapest method, the cheapest possible route to go. Sure. And maybe they don't understand that uh, a mineral wool type material is like a sponge but they use it because it's like, oh, I can get that for a buck 30 a square foot compared to foam glass at like $7 a square foot. Money adds up, I understand, but we have to be cognizant of our design and the whole design. And it's not just insulation, the design is also what coating, because you need that barrier, you need that second line of defense in case your insulation breaks down. In case there's damage. How many times have y'all been out to a site and you've walked through a rack looking for a pipe that was coated, but you've walked through that rack and you see insulation or, or aluminum jacketing that's all damaged, turn up. Oh, yeah. Never, never. It's always exactly. perfect. It's always perfect. Yeah. You know, pristine Perfectly condition. Perfectly sealed. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the first thing I think about when, like, I'm designing is, okay, this is going in, the, in a pipe rack. They're going to be walking on it. This has got to have a coating on it, and it, that's, your, that's my second line of defense to prevent any type of corrosion. I, I might not have answered your question. You just said somebody's going to whole convoluted No, route but, and, but you did bring
1: up, you, you brought up a couple, and one of them, you know, you'd brought up like a, a mineral wool kind of, yeah. of insulation and how it holds, holds moisture. My wife and I were recent empty nesters. Our youngest has just gone off to college, and one of the hobbies that we've picked up, especially my wife, was hydroponic plant growth. And uh, we're having a great time with it. But one of the things that they recommend is mineral wool to do your root starting and to use it in the hydroponics. And when my wife said what she wanted, I was like, oh, you can go here, 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 here's what you need, here's out. And she looks at me, she goes, why do you know anything about this? I was like, well, we deal with it all the time. I go, it's used for insulation. She goes, but it holds water. Why (laughs) do you want that on paint? Now, the other thing that you brought up that made me think of when you said like a sponge, it's not always just something that is designed specifically for insulation that is going to act like insulation and cause these possible corrosion cells. Because we have a lot of fireproofing materials that are put on at the same thicknesses as insulation, and a lot of them are semitious. and you know we've talked about it before – Cementitious products. Cement, cement is like a sponge. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, water freely goes through there, and it absorbs it. It holds onto it, and it puts it right up against those substrates. And so, it is another thing that you have to keep in mind: is what primers are you using under cementitious fir- or well any fireproofing that may allow for that because you get an insulative factor with it. Yeah, is that something
2: that you've had to work with or work around? And, and- oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so. Anytime I design a fireproofing system or an insulation system, the first thing I think about is what primer am I going to use? What temperatures is it going to see? Where is it going? Is it going to be indoors? Is it in a controlled environment? Because I dealt with a project that was um, E-119 based. Mm -hmm. It wasn't jet or pool. It was building construction materials inside, controlled environment. There was a lot of thought that went into that versus an outdoor plant, like your LNG facilities are outside. So you have to think, where's it going? What's, you know, what type of contaminants could it see? What type of uh, temperatures is it going to see? Is it going to see the elements? Is it going to see sun degradation? So you got to think about all those factors that go into designing these systems. But yeah, the first thing that we I always think about is what is my primer going to be? Yep. What is my base coat because that sets the stage for what's later. And you know, one of the things uh, it was funny
1: the first time I saw it, and it all dawned on me was looking at a pipe that I knew it was a steam pipe. It was hot, it was insulated, and it was covered in snow. And you look at it, and you first you think about it, and somebody says, "Well, it's a steam pipe, so it's hot, so you don't have to worry about snow." But if the insulation's doing its job, now you have snow sitting on the insulation. You will have water
2: wick into it, especially if you go through cyc- cyclic. Conditions on that. It doesn't matter how how good your craftsmen are, how good your insulation system design is. Water is an interesting phenomena. It finds its way. Water will find a way. Everywhere. I had a uh, hole, or not a hole, but I had a leak in my roof. Well, I thought it was coming from one area, so I went up there and messed around. That leak was from the other side of my <laughs> right. roof yeah. that somehow found its way to this side, to my front side of my house, that water traveled. The only reason I knew is because I sat up there during a storm one night with a flashlight <laughs> no, Yeah, man. because I, I was so peeved <laughs> that I couldn't find where this water was coming from. <laughs> I sat up there, this is an engineer right here. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that was what went through my brain immediately. I was like, engineer. <laughs> I sat up there with a flashlight. I turned the lights off because I have lights in the attic, but I turned the lights off, I had a flashlight, and I listened for thumps, water drippings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I we're, we're always aiming to educate, and so so on that line, you know, let, we talked about using coatings for protection when it comes to CUI, so let's talk a little bit about the types of coatings that you use to protect steel, why you'd use one over another and those kind of things.
2: I think the main thing uh, when I'm looking at systems for, uh, for, st- for pipe um, you have an all encompassing uh, epoxy Nova It's really, that's, that's the system route I like to go with most of my under insulation. It can be used on carbon steel and stainless. So mm-hmm. I can go both routes. Uh, I'm not having to worry. Oh, is this, can I, not, can I use this product, this system, on the stainless steel? Well, yeah, you can use an epoxy Novolax. Mm-hmm. So uh, I tend to gravitate towards the Novolax, you know, the phenolics. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are always great products that we, uh, we, we've we not seen issues with mm-hmm. underneath insulation. Um, I'm sure there's somebody that's, that's going to be listening to this or listening on that's going to call you all and say, oh, I've had so many issues with epoxy Novolax teach their own there's always going to be an exception it's always gonna be an exception but but you got to ask those questions you gotta say what what environment was it in you know what product did you use did they put it on correctly they put two coats they put three coats what you know what was the millage the thickness on it you know, those are all things you got to take in a, into account and when you're thinking about coatings and uh, can it be shop applied or field applied? you know, those are huge uh, thoughts that run through your head or run through my head when I'm, when I'm designing these uh, systems and designing these for projects. And then the big thing is keeping the owner's best interest when I'm designing these systems. Like, wh- yeah, we might not, may- maybe our design life or our design or warranties five years, but I don't want a coding just the last five years. Right. So I'm looking at durability, looking at uh, longevity for these coatings mm-hmm. and looking out for my, my, our client owner's best interests and in giving them a product that, Hey, we don't have maintenance in the budget for the first five years. We really need this to, to last, you know, things like that. So, but your epoxy mm-hmm. and your phenolics, and those are really the main products I'm using right now underneath the insulation.
0: And we've kind of danced kind of around this concept this whole time, right? You know, we've talked about longevity, years and things like that. And, 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 you know, you said referenced, you know, maybe this one solution is more expensive and we're looking at dollars and cents up front, but we really should be looking at how much it costs us through the life of the asset. Exactly. So if, if the insulation is more expensive, but gives you 10 more years, are, are you really saving money in the long run? Same thing with coatings, right?
2: Yeah, and a lot of it is uh, payback. Uh, you have that you have to think about payback uh, period for these owners. So if you could design a system, you know, a Cadillac system for them, and and it, they have to they have to see and value the payback period. If they know they're going to spend three million dollars up front for this insulation system, to know that in three years they'll have that insulation system paid off. Uh, because of production rates and how much they Mm -hmm. can produce, how much money they can make their ROI, you know, it's having them understand, understand their payback period too. Uh, Because you do have some owners that are like, no, we just, you know, just put the cheapest on, you know, that's Mm -hmm. your time and material, your, your, uh, your lump sum or your, you know, uh, lowest cost bid, acceptable things along those lines. So making sure that they understand what they're getting the owner understands what they're getting and maybe that might persuade them to go a different route so
1: and you know from a from a coatings manufacturer side that's the end of the the side of the conversation that we don't often get brought in for is just no just tell me what coating can go under insulation at these we're like well but what kind of insulation what's it going to see what are the they're like i don't know somebody else is doing that part of it and and so it truly is sometimes the low dollar is the one that gets it but in a lot of cases, you can look at it and say, no, here would be a return that this one is going to last you much longer. And it, it gets down to the cost of a system and, and how, what your return rate is on it. Yeah. It really is an important factor. And then, you know, like Michael had said, you want to look for something that's compatible with everything that you're doing. You know, and that is one of the benefits. A lot of the Novalax and the phenolics are compatible with both stainless and and carbon steel But some of the things that you need to look at, you know, chlorides are a problem, and there's a lot of chlorides that are frequently brought in with insulations, and not to mention the environmental chlorides you get with it, but there might be chlorides already embedded in the insulation itself. So all of those are things we know, you know, history has shown us, they have a pretty detrimental effect under high temperatures on stainless steel. They don't like that service. So we want to make sure that knowing what it's going on, that we're putting coating systems on that will help protect so that even if you do get a contaminant introduced you know we can still say well at least there's a barrier there that's going to give us some time we're looking to protect assets we're looking to protect you know people personnel you know so all of
2: those nobody wants to see it spring a leak doesn't matter if it's no. in the middle of nowhere or people are around it oh and and, and we talk about design we talk about uh, longevity things along those lines a bit we can only do so much to where we also have to rely on the owner to understand that they have to have a maintenance plan in place they have to have money or dollars set aside to you know go look at these systems make sure they're still working to the way they were designed to work and I, you know i'm before my time with smb i you know i've been out to plants where they hadn't done any maintenance in, five or 10 years because they kept pushing the budget because they did not have the budget for that year. You've got to find money in the budget for maintenance. You've got to find money Mm -hmm. to go check and make sure that you don't have, uh, you know, a a pipe getting thin walled or getting a hole in it from, uh, from crowding out. And,
1: you know, and it really is a full circle kind of thing. I know Jack and I were, we're in the middle of a, a long week of interviews and the amount of times that we've circled around, inspection and integrity surveys and mm-hmm. you know we recently talked with a company that does some pretty unique new technology for non-intrusive pipeline inspection processes yeah um that you know another just asset integrity surveys are important yeah. you know and it, it helps it helps all of us it helps us to, to be more environmentally friendly and and safer in our workplaces
2: no I I, I forget who said this to me but they, uh, they made a comment to me a while back. They said, you know, paint, insulation, fireproofing, it isn't sexy, but it's got to be done. Yeah. And it's got to be done correctly. Right. So.
0: Right. Right. Uh, you know, because as we've said probably before on the show, corrosion is one of the most expensive things that uh, faces us as a society. Billions of dollars, probably trillions of dollars at this point, yeah. are spent globally every year in an attempt to understand, prevent, and correct corrosion problem. Right. All right.
2: So I got an interesting fact for you. So according to the World Corrosion Organization, okay. Corrosion costs the global economy around two point two trillion dollars each year. Of that, it is estimated that forty to sixty percent of pipe maintenance costs are due to corrosion under insulation. Wow. Forty to sixty yeah. percent. That's yeah. a lot. So this is a big
0: problem. Now, before we wrap up, I do have one more little technical uh, question for you as a specifier. Pipelines, a lot of the times, uh, might not be insulated the whole time, or, yeah. or, or, or any equipment might not be insulated across the entire surface. But a lot of the times when you code it, you're probably going to use the same coding. How do you handle the coding specification when the asset is going to be partially insulated?
2: Well, so you have to know where the brakes are and you have to have the correct coating system coming out of that pipe that's going to be able to continue to protect the pipe. So you have to look at, you know, if it's going to, if it's going to be out in the sun, if it's going to have any type of environmental effects, you're going to want to put a top coat on top of those Novolax, those phenolics, uh, whether it's a urethane, if it's not high temp, or a silicone, if you're looking at high temp, Applications, mm-hmm. but you have to protect the coating that's coming out from that pipe mm-hmm. uh, from the insulation and the breaks where that break is happening have to be done correctly. You can't just stop the insulation. You've got a vapor stop it for cold stuff. You got a vapor stop it, seal it up, and for hot, you still have to seal it up. You have to break it and stop it so no water intrusion you can just roll down that pipe because then that defeats the purpose. Right. Yeah. So you have to stop. The insulation properly, and that you know that having a good contractor is a uh, is a must on these jobs. That there are going to be a lot of breaks with coatings coming out. So just having the having a proper uh, contractor out there that's competent that knows that these are happening, uh, and then understanding from an engineering standpoint, understanding the processes, the temperatures, what's happening, the environment it's going into is huge. So.
0: I think that about does it for corrosion under insulation. As you guys can tell, Michael's an expert in this field. If you guys want to get a hold of Michael, you can go ahead and reach out to Paul at technicalservice@carboline.com. Yep, he knows how to get a hold of Michael. Obviously, we're all pretty good friends, uh, so we would like you guys to have an opportunity to know Michael as well as we know him. So we're going to do the uh, four question segment that we do uh, with every guest. So the first question that I have for you, Michael, is what's
2: your favorite movie or
0: TV show?
2: Oh, man. Favorite movie or TV show? Well, my favorite movie of all time is Shawshank Redemption. Anytime it comes on TBS, I am glued to the TV for three hours. <laughs> you don't <laughs> I, do much in your daily life, do you? I swear that thing plays every day. <laughs> I, if, I, if I just come across it and nobody's at home, it's on the background. And, yeah. I, and, and the other thing, I always keep the office on in background. So okay. if I'm working from the house, the office is on in my background. Just okay. you know, who doesn't like a little yeah. bit of Michael Scott in their life. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to throw a softball. Okay.
1: What's your favorite sport? Your team? What do you like to watch? Participate in? Do?
2: So it's funny. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I, I grew up playing sports. I grew up and you know, played through college and out of everything, soccer is my most favorite.
0: <laughs> wow. It's, it's not football. It's well, not, it is football. Well, it is. But it's, yeah, it is It is football. Yeah,
2: technically. But soccer is my, is my all time favorite. I, I can, I can play it or I can sit and watch it and enjoy it because I played it for so long that I understand a one-to-one game or a zero-zero game. That's some great defense. Mm-hmm. That's a great, they had a, they had great defense there. My
0: apologies to all the people in all the other countries who are offended by the word soccer. Anyway,
1: so um, I guess that just means we're going to have to put soccer higher on our schedule for our next. I like going to
2: soccer. Yeah, I the World Cups coming to Houston in uh, in a couple of years. Yeah. you guys are gonna have to what? just come down. Yeah, we, we, oh, yeah. we are yeah. going to have to come down.
0: <laughs> yeah. The next uh, question on our list is: What's your hobby?
2: Oh, you're allowed to have hobbies. Sometimes uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean you get to actually participate, participate in that. <laughs> but you have something that you would like to do if you had time. So I'm a huge fisher and duck duck hunter. I um, any chance I can get, I'm down in the delta. I'm down in I'm down in Louisiana. Down off the bayou, I'm duck hunting or red trout fishing. So the last question: If
1: you were a baseball player, WWE, you had a walk up song. <laughs> what, what would that walk
2: up song be if you were if you were headed to the ring? <sighs> Man. So I'm a, uh, I'm a secret rap junkie. I'm an 80s baby, but uh, grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. So I like kind of I call it older, older school rap. Yeah, it is. But it, some, is. it is. Some yeah. people say it's not, but you know, I, the Dr. Dre's, the Tupac's, uh, the the Eminem's. Eminem's one of my favorite rappers. I, you know, some people will say he's not a rapper, but I, th- I think he's a mastermind. But Till I Collapse is probably would be my walk-up <laughs> song. My wife tells me I'm a workaholic. And, uh, there's probably a few people that would be listening to this right now that say I volunteer and do a lot. And so you don't know I how to say no, don't know how to say no. And I will continue going till I collapse one day, but there you uh, go. I think that's my. I'd be my walk-up song.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Michael, so much for coming on the show.
2: Paul, Jack, thank you for having me. It's yeah, been thanks for so much fun doing this. It, with is. You guys. it uh,
0: is. Uh, so up next is our tech tips segment.
1: You have questions, they have answers. This is Tech Tips. This is Justin Manuel, Director of the Global Product Line for Carboline. It's easy to remember that CY stands for Corrosion Under Thermal Insulation, but it's also important to know that the same aggressive environment can be found under fireproofing materials as well. AMP, formerly NACE, Standard Practice 0198-2017, outlines a detailed approach for the control of corrosion under thermal insulation and fireproofing materials. Thanks again for listening this
0: week. We'll see you guys in another month.